Yeah, hi, Jay Fallon here. Thanks for listening to The Slippery Slope. And this morning I have uh, Pastor Patrick Russell, who lives in, in Townsville, joining us. Uh, thank you, Pastor Patrick. How are you today? Yeah, all good, mate. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we've, uh, we haven't got a lot of time, so I just want to quickly fly into a few things that we want to discuss. Obviously, you're a representative for the Friends of Israel. I think that's all right. The uh, the group yeah, here, Christian Friends of Israel. Christian Friends of Israel. Sorry, um, you're representing Christian Friends of Israel, and we just uh, I really I love talking about Israel and what uh, you know what's going on over there. Obviously, with a uh, a biblical focus, we see how uh, Israel's kind of the the timepiece. Looking if you're looking at Bible prophecy, all this kind of thing, you know, the focus really needs to be on Israel. I think. Um, yes. so- and uh, however, it seems to me like there's been a lot more talk about um, describing Israel in uh, the area, I think, known as Palestine or where the Palestinians live uh, as like an apartheid system. I think there's been a bigger push for that. And obviously, uh, there's also been uh, a change of government as well. And uh, so I've seen that you have so much to do with Israel. Just wanted to know if you could, uh, yeah, just talk about that a little bit and what's actually happening there. And first off, tell me, is Israel an apartheid state? Uh, the answer is no, because um, if you go back to a definition of what apartheid means, it means a suppression of one people under another at the expense of the other people. Israel allows the so-called Palestinian Arabs to become part of their parliament. Um in the last election, there were 10 parties or 10 seats that were won by Arab parties. Um, that's not apartheid. <laughs> in an apartheid system, you wouldn't even be allowed in the parliament, let alone have the opportunity to win any parliamentary seats and um, have any say in the democracy. So, no, that's that's definitely not the state. Um, and you've got to understand it's the United Nations calling Israel an apartheid state. And the United Nations are... Uh, totally biased against Israel. Um, in the last uh, 55 years since the 67 uh, war, there's been hundreds and hundreds of resolutions condemning Israel um, for, for for silly reasons. And you have a look at it. It's, um, it was the United Nations that partitioned that land and gave it to Israel. So, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy. There's a lot of doublespeak. There's a lot of... Uh, accusation but there's no basis to the fact that israel is an apartheid nation none none whatsoever copy that um has we've also seen this kind of rhetoric growing in the last couple of months i believe there's been a, a change of of government it's the uh yeah. the old the prime minister who was in he's back in again they've had a lot That's of elections right. in the last couple of years can you just yeah. uh just summarize you know what's been going on with their elections and how is that uh who's who's now the prime minister yeah, well, Benjamin Netanyahu is the Prime Minister again. Um, he was re-elected with a majority in Parliament, which is great because he doesn't have to rely on a lot of uh, parties that are totally against him. Um, I, I was just reading some figures here um, about the election, if I can quickly quote them to you. Yeah. Um, there was something like 4.7 million Israelis voted for the parties that took place in the recent election. Now, 64 seats went to Netanyahu and his parties. 46 seats went to his opposition. So what's that? 18 more seats to Benjamin Netanyahu than his opposition. 
Yeah, as I said, the Arab party's won 10 seats, but that's irrelevant when it comes to Israeli um, politics. So in effect, he's got a majority of the votes in Israel to push his agenda through. Now, one of his agendas as he was leading into this election was the fact that he was going to reform the judicial system in Israel. The judges and the, the courts and that have too much say in Israel that they thwart government policy. And so the government went to this election saying, if we get in, we're going to reform the judicial system. Well, what's happened now that Benjamin Netanyahu has got in is that he's began to reform the judicial system, which Israel voted for. And now the left-leaning part of politics is causing all these riots in the street and demonstrations. And you've got to understand that, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu won a majority in the parliament. So he has the mandate, if you like, to introduce these laws that he was up front in saying, I'm going to do it. Now he's doing it. The left is chucking a hissy fit. And uh, that's why we're seeing all these protests in Israel, all these people coming out and condemning Israel. Got to understand they're the minority. They're not the majority of Israel, but the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, so to speak. Um, the louder they shout, the more they seem to get the publicity. But he's well within his rights, he's well within his mandate to carry out these judicial reforms. And that's what's happening. Um, people are calling him, a, you know, a religious party now because, you know, some of the members of his party are very, very orthodox religious. And that's fine. That's what Israel voted for. Um, a democratically elected government. People don't understand that. And they were given the mandate, and that's what they're doing. And the left don't like it. And that's not only here in Israel, it's all around the world that the same thing happened with Trump. Wanted to bring in all these reforms, what happened? The left started jumping on him, pulling him down. That's that's the um that's the woke, if you like, um, agenda. And if they don't get into power, then they start causing their trouble. So one other big story that's uh... Um, I, I reckon you'll you'll know more about you'll understand a little more about than I do. Uh, talk of the temple, a new temple, and um, and obviously there was I can't remember his name. I think I want to say Gantz walked up to the the Golden Dome. There was a lot of hoo ha about him and some other people going up to this area where the Jews aren't yeah. particularly allowed or they're not allowed to to pray or something like that. Yeah. Um, can you explain anything what's going on and just the relevance of this, uh, there's a lot of talk about a third temple. Can you explain yeah. any of this? Yeah, the guy that went up there was um, one of Benjamin Netanyahu's new partners, a religious man by the name of Itbar Ben Gavir. Okay. And he's the minister of, um, I think, interior. And he went up on the Temple Mount just for a stroll around and, and um, because he's in a position to implement laws and very religious, you know, the... Uh, so-called Palestinians got onto it and said, oh, he's going to destroy the temple. He's going to rebuild the, the Jewish temple. He's going to destroy the, you know, the Muslim mosque. Um, what he is is very religious, and he's bringing in a lot of reforms that are contrary to what the Palestinians have been getting away with. Um, we haven't got time to go into all that. But the whole hoopla was that, you know, he's going to have the temple rebuilt, the Jewish temple rebuilt, and he's going to kick the Muslims off the Temple Mount and, that's the hoo-ha. That's that's the hearsay. That's the talk. It's not it's not true. Um, as far as the temple is concerned, yeah, um, there's a growing swell of uh, opinion and support in Israel to have that temple rebuilt. 
and I've said it before that um, there's an institute actually set up in Israel called the Temple Institute. You can actually Google it and go on their website and see everything that the temple contained, all the utensils, the gold, the trumpets, the menorah, the showbread, all those things have actually been manufactured now and are ready to be implemented in a temple. As soon as there's a go-ahead and permission for a temple to be rebuilt, it can be rebuilt uh, in a very quick time because everything is ready. And um, so there's momentum building, but this was simply a, a, a politician up there on the Temple Mount, a religious one, and uh, the Palestinians didn't like that because they assume and they keep spreading the, the lies that um, you know they're going to kick Islam off the Temple Mount and rebuild a Jewish temple. And Oh, yeah, they'd love to build it, but at this stage, no, but it's ready to be built. Ready to be built. Um, so... As far as the Bible's concerned, do you think uh, yes. so? Is is a is a temple? Uh, does the Bible talk about it, another temple being built? Yes, it does. Jesus talks about it when he mentions the abomination of desolation standing in it, according to Daniel. So Jesus spoke about it. The Apostle Paul spoke about another temple being rebuilt. Um, so it has to be rebuilt, and we know that because the Antichrist, when he does come, is going to set himself up in the temple as God. That's um, that's the abomination of desolation that daniel spoke about um so a third temple has to be rebuilt okay so this is this is if you like a shadow or a precursor to what is actually going to happen eventually eventually yeah i have my i have my ideas how that's going to happen but we haven't got time to talk about that <laughs> we might get into that another time actually just have <laughs> yeah, to do more of a focus on on the temple yeah. i think it's very interesting is it is the temple something that uh you know, a, a Bible-believing Christian, are they supposed to be, are we supposed to be supporting it? Is it something, or is it, uh, because as you said, it's with the desolate, the, um, sorry, my mind's gone blank. Yeah, abomination of desolation. Abomination yeah. of desolation. So it doesn't sound yeah. like it's really, should the should a Christian be supporting it? No, no. It's it's not got nothing to do with Christ. Um, it's the third temple that will be set up. The Antichrist will desecrate it by announcing himself as God in the temple. And that's when the persecution of Israel and and uh, the second half of the seven-year period of Daniel's 70th week, that's the, um, the the great tribulation starts there and then. So nothing to do with Christians. Uh, Christians shouldn't support it. Um, it'll have no effect on, you know, our worship for Christ. Well... That seems like a good, uh, to me, it feels like a good segue into something that's, uh, <laughs> that, that came up yesterday. Now, as I've, I've spoken to, um, on my podcast before about how I, so I was current, I used to be a police officer October last year, I was, uh, finished up with the Queensland police. Um, however, yesterday, so people remember that, uh, at the end of 2022, there was a, uh, uh basically three Three people in the area of Wyambilia, I believe it's pronounced, mm. uh, were so three people were involved in a shooting with police. Uh, two yep. police officers were killed. A bystander was also killed. Um, the Queensland Police Service came out yesterday, and uh, something. Uh, yeah, I think it's very interesting. I'll try and bring this story up if I can. Um, they've they've announced that this this shooting. Yeah, I've got it up here. I think, can you see that as well? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, Queensland police say the Waiambilla shooting is a terrorist attack motivated by pre-millennialism, uh, pre 
this article goes through and says, here's what that means. First off, before I'll read through what this article says, can you explain what pre-millennialism is? Yeah, well, there's pre-, mid-, and post-tribulation beliefs. We know that according to Daniel, there's a seven-year period coming um, that hasn't come yet, but a lot of people call it the seven-year tribulation period. Um, nowhere in the Bible does it call it the seven-year tribulation period. Um, it's called Daniel's 70th week. But people say, look, and there's a growing uh, belief in Christianity that this seven years um, is seven years of great tribulation upon the earth when the Antichrist comes on the scene, causes great wars and destruction and death and famines. And there's, uh, you know, this period of great suffering and persecution. They call it pre-millennialism because pre meaning before millennialism, the thousand year reign of Christ. So there's got to be this seven years before Jesus comes back. So it's a, it's a belief um, in the um, seven year tribulation period, as I said, which is not mentioned in the Bible as tribulation period. Um, it's a belief in that seven years um, that it's going to be a time of great persecution where the Antichrist is going to rule and, and do all he, he does. So it's a, it's an apocalyptic belief. Um, as I said, a lot of Christians believe it, um, but there's also uh, other beliefs mid-tribulation, which is the three-and-a-half-year mark, and post-trib at the end of it. But the pre-tribulation is the pre-thousand-year um, reign of Christ on earth, which is preceded, of course, by that seven years. Preceded so, by the tribulation period. Yeah, by, the seven by... years, people know it, yeah. yeah. So that's what pre-tribulation is. Yep. Um, pre-millennialism. Pre-millennialism. So in this article, it says, so the basic interpretation, there was a belief that Christ will return to the earth, provide peace mm. and prosperity. Yep. Uh, but it will be preceded, preceded by an era yeah. or a period of time of tribulation, widespread destruction and suffering. This is what the Deputy yep. Commissioner Linford said. So is that basically right, what she's saying? Is that... Uh, yeah, what she's saying, it's, it's the, as I said, pre-millennialism is before the 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth, okay? Mm -hmm. And what she said there, it's preceded by an era or a period of time of tribulation. That's that seven years. So seven years has got to happen, which yep. is Daniel's 70th week. Yep. At the end of that, Christ comes back and reigns on earth for 1,000 years. Yep. So that's what that that's what that belief is. So basically what she's just said there is a very basic definition of it, yes copy that so that was that was my understanding of it just to make yeah. sure from a pastor's yep. point of view uh so they're saying this is what i find a bit troubling they they started she says that they started these three people who killed this police officers they started preparing for the end of days she goes on to say that christian extremist ideology has been linked to other attacks around the world this is the first time we've seen it in australia i think um what i found uh more disturbing about this and i'll bring up another story as well um what i found more disturbing about it is uh, the, they seem to lump all uh they you know i mean these people obviously had some weird strange ideas um yeah. if where regardless of whether they believed in the the tribulation you know they followed the bible they read the bible um you know i can't remember anywhere I think I've read the Bible front to back. I can't remember anywhere where it says, hey, take up arms and start mm. killing people. Uh, mm. 
you know, um, I was trying to remember, you know, they do talk about, it just seems in these articles that they've lumped everyone in. And I think, I think this could lead us onto a dangerous path for Christians uh, because it seems like we're anyone, anyone who believes that what the Bible says is true could be, if you're reading these articles and, and listening to the interview that uh, this police officer said, it would seem that anyone who believes in the Bible um, and just believes that what it says is true could be uh, could be relegated, could be uh, described as being an extremist. Uh, what, yeah. What's your thoughts? Exactly. I, I agree with you 100%. You've got to understand that the people making these um, accusations are non-Christians. Mm. They've got no idea uh, what the Bible actually says or what it actually means when it says something. So even that definition from that uh, deputy police commissioner, she probably had to get that from somebody else um, who has some basic idea. But it's non-Christians describing what Christians, as you said, who necessarily just read the Bible and believe what it says, they're describing that as extremism because they don't understand it. Um, and um, so to them, it's an extremist view and understanding of life and, and reality. Now, these, these three people um, were way off, way off the mark, way off the planet. Um, extremist in their belie uh, beliefs, yes, because as you said, nowhere in the Bible does it say where to take up arms and, and fight a war. Um, you know, we're not of this earth. We live in it, yes, but we're not of it. And our home is with the Lord and he'll come and he'll, you know, vengeance is his, says the Lord. And so we don't need to fight any of these physical battles. We need to just trust the Lord. But yes, all Christians will be lumped into the same um, same boat, if you like. Um, anything that you believe what the Bible says will become extremism in the eyes of the world who don't understand it. And it is dangerous because it does set a precedent. They're actually naming Christian beliefs as extremism. So anything that doesn't go along with the narrative, you know, with the, um, the spirit of this age, doesn't go along with that, will be labelled extremism. And uh, yes, it's very dangerous because um, you simply have to just believe the word of God and you're labelled an extremist. Yeah, and that, that's what I find most disturbing. Like you said, uh, the Bible talks about the thousand-year reign with Christ. The Bible yeah. talks about this, this period, like you said, Daniel's uh, the 70th week. Yeah. Um, it talks about basically a lot of uh, disastrous situations coming on earth, which would include, yep. uh, you know, plagues, famine, yep. massive. I remember there was a massive earthquake at one point with 7,000 yep. people dying, Um, you mm. know, some pretty trippy kind of things, you know, with angels yeah. going yeah. overhead. Uh, yeah. A yep. one world, what was it Revelation 13, describes something yep. like a one world government with a one world currency. Yep. This, yep. Uh, what it says, I think, a beast system when, where no one can buy or sell yeah. uh, without having the mark of the beast. So the Bible yep. talks about all these kind of cataclysmic yep. things. Um, and uh, and it's kind of like reading this article and thinking, wow, it's just like if, you, if you're looking at the Bible and you take it as base value and uh yep. and um yeah you'll you'll be lumped into this extremist kind yep. of uh yeah that's what it seems like that's that's where it feels like we're going and even yesterday i was reading another article and having a go at the new south wales premiere because 
he didn't want to or he's he's not making any kind of move towards um outlawing uh christian like the gay conversion therapy yeah and again they're using this rhetoric saying you know this kind of practice is abhorrent uh and they kind of call it as like an extremist practice um and it feels like everything we by the way i've been going to church some kind of one way or another my whole life i've never Mm. i've never never come across any of these kind of retreats or um Mm. conversion practices as they describe them in the news um maybe people have gone up for prayer or something like that i've never actually seen these practices Mm. but the point is like they every every anything that a christian does it seems like it's always now described as right-wing extremist and we've seen in other parts of the world in europe where there's been a push to actually ban the bible or or actually um place it in a uh describe it as being hate speech do you in regards to that and, and what we're seeing more in australia do you think is there is there any reason why or is there anything in the Bible which would seem to suggest that that's where Australia is heading? A Western nations more that it's you know we we're describing the Bible as hate speech and things like that. Well, even Jesus said, you know, you'll be hated for my name's sake. Um, as a Christian, we're we're we really expect this. This this is shouldn't be anything new to us. We're living a, a life that is contrary to the way that the world lives. We we think differently. We act differently. We speak differently. Um, we don't do what the world does. And any time you do that, you're going to set yourself in opposition to the world, obviously. Now, as the time of Jesus draws near, the Bible talks about a great, uh, you know, a falling away. The spirit of Antichrist, which is already in the world, is growing. Um, wickedness is growing. You only have to see what Jesus said about it in, in the scripture where he said, as it was in the days of Lot and as it was in the days of Noah. We have a look at in both of those times and the times of Noah, the Bible describes it as the whole world, the whole world being anti-God, um, doing their own thing, totally evil and wicked in the sight of the world, in the sight of the Lord. That's the whole world. And you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, that whole city was given over except one person, Lot, and he was living amongst it. And he was all right while he kept his mouth shut. But as soon as he said, you know, what are you doing? They they were going to grab him and kill him. And they said, who, who do you think you are? You know, you come in and lived among us. And now you make us make yourself our judge. So the whole world is opposed to the Christian way of life and living. And that's what we're seeing now. It's the time for the world to have its moment, if you like, and um, impose its ways upon Christianity. And that's why... Christian voices are being silenced. That's why conservative voices are being silenced. Um, that's 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 Bible. The Bible spoke about those times, and it's all leading to one point, and that's the the, the rise of this one world leader who will take over the epitome, if you like, of, of sin and lawlessness and and rebellion against God. So yes, it is scriptural. Yes, it is pointing in that direction. We're seeing more and more of it. It's like God's restraining hand is slowly being drawn off. Um, the wickedness of this world, uh, exactly what he said would happen in the last days. Copy that. Just um, just to wrap up, would you yeah. just be able to explain to us why, if, if all these things are going to happen with Christian and Christian yeah. belief, why uh, 
why become a Christian and what, you know, what, what's the, what's the, what's the point? What's the purpose? What's the, what's the hope that you can leave yeah. us with? Well, look, as a Christian, and I'm speaking as a Christian, I don't know if there may be non-Christians listening to this, but you only have to look around you and see that this world's really got nothing to offer. Um, there's so many people coming out and saying, do this, do this, you'll be happy, you'll be do this. Well, you may be happy for a short time, but in the end, what is happiness? Happiness is knowing that there is a God. Happiness knows that you're in good relation with that God. Happiness is knowing that no matter what happens to you um, in this life, accidents, things happening, being happy really is knowing that your life is secure in Christ. And not only secure now, but secure for eternity. And that's what we've got to think about. It's, it's not just thinking about the here and now. You know, I've, I've seen these two miners that got killed yesterday. You know, 33 and 36 years of age. They wouldn't have gone to work thinking this was their last day on earth. We've got to we've got to keep in mind that we're only here for a short time, and anything could happen that sends us into eternity. And and then what? We need to make sure that our secure our eternity is secure. And there's only one way of doing that, and that is to accept Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross of Calvary, in dying for our sins and taking our part, giving our lives to Him. And I can guarantee from personal experience, being a Christian now for over 40, 46 years, that this is the greatest life that I could have possibly lived. Peace, joy, security, assurance, um, death holds no fears, looking forward to eternal life. This all comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And as I said, look around you today. The world's not getting any better. There's no utopia coming. Um, there's judgment coming and that's what the Bible spoke about and that those who are in Christ are secure and safe and uh, getting ready to see their creator so I would say being a Christian is not only logical but it's the the most logical thing that you could possibly do um, do it while you have the chance because you don't know if you're ever going to have another chance Copy. and if someone wants to know I mean sitting there going well how do I even become a Christian what's the, what's yeah. the go well, the Bible talks about um, if we confess Jesus Christ with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. Now, confession isn't just saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I, I. No, confession means something that you're saying based on a total belief in your heart that what you're saying is true. And it's not just a confession. It's an ongoing life then. It's getting rid of those things which you know are wrong. It's doing what God wants you to do. See, a true Christian is not someone who just speaks the words. A true Christian is someone who actually lives the words. And that's how we judge Christians, not on what they, what they say. They can clap their hands and sing the songs and go to church. That doesn't make them a Christian. What makes them a Christian is a changed life. And that's the spirit of Christ who comes into a life and begins to change them. Their habits change, their speech change, their things they do changes. And it all changes according to the will of God. So not only just confess that, but believe it in your heart that Jesus Christ is the only solution. He's your saviour. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to reveal yourself to him. Ask him to change your life. And that changed life is evidence that you've got the spirit of God within you. It's as simple as confessing, believing, and then setting your heart to walk that way. Copy that. That's uh, Thanks very much for explaining that. I encourage you. anyone listening like uh, Pastor Patrick said, that is all you have to do. It's not about how much money you give. It's not about how many times a day you pray. 
anything like that. Okay, just like Pastor says. Listen, Pastor Pat, thanks very much for joining me today. I'm sorry we've got a bit of background noise coming. We've got roadworks happening and no amount of... uh, (laughs) It doesn't matter what I do, I can't stop that noise coming in. But uh, I just want to thank you. Uh, I will try and get you on again a bit uh, sooner next time. Um, Yeah, just uh, but thanks for explaining a few things. And I would like to come and uh, talk a bit more in depth about what's happening in Israel. Um, sure. Can you just tell us how, uh, so how, and if anyone wants to contact you, how they can contact yeah. you and if they want to support you in any way, what they can do? Yeah, well, Christian Friends of Israel is an international ministry. We haven't got a website here in Australia, but if people want to contact me, just um, email me at cfiaustralia at hotmail.com. It's that simple. Australia or lowercase, at hotmail.com. And um, I can help you with any information any further information you you want, be happy to help. Copy that. And you're based in Townsville. Uh, yep. And is there any, uh, are you running a church or how does it go there? You, I'm actually part of a church. I'm on the ministry um, team of the church, but because I'm itinerating all around Australia and all over the place, um, I can't commit myself to being the pastor, but I'm one of, um, yeah, I'm based in a church here in Townsville, but itinerating most of the time. So, Cool. No worries. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I just want to tell everyone before we leave too. So I've had a bit of problems with YouTube. Um, YouTube are really starting to kick hard against uh, yeah, and, and try and hold back what people say, restrict what people say. Um, so if if you can't always find uh, the slippery slope stuff on YouTube, we do also have all our work. Um, on on spotify on apple podcasts just look up the slippery slope uh, with jay fallon if you want uh, you'll probably find it that way um it, all the audio work will be there so i'm going to put uh this up on youtube there's a possibility it might be allowed or it gets restricted all my stuff uh lately seems it gets restricted um on youtube so it'll get restricted and they'll say well we're we're not going to put it out to as many people um and that's the way it is. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll still put it up on YouTube and see what happens. But yeah, it'll also be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all this kind of thing. On the Spotify one, I can put it up as a video form as well. So you can see our faces. It'll all be good. Um, thanks again, Pastor Pat, for joining us. And uh, thanks for listening to The Slippery Slope. <laughs>